Hi there. I'm Veronica Wilhelm, an organizational development consultant and executive coach in Seattle, Washington. And I'm here to tell you how to have the best day ever at work. Welcome back. Here we are. We're going to do some strategic planning this week. I'm in a new location. We're trying out me recording from my son's bedroom. Here we are with, let's see, we've got his stuffy Pete next to me. Pete is a stuffed peep, like a marshmallow peep is what he looks like. He's a little chicken. Uh, Ronan would describe him as a chicken with uh, a green chicken with no arms and no legs. And I've got old advent calendar stuff next to me. He got a Lego advent calendar. So I've got that. I've got a snake plant that's trying really hard to stay alive. I've got, I don't know, a lot of detritus. So we'll see if the creative maelstrom of a six-year-old keeps up with us. So today we're going to talk about strategic planning. I love strategic planning. It's something that I talk about a lot. And that has like a, it's a, it's a couple of words that feel like big and scary. And honestly, all of us have strategic plans going on in our life. It's a plan with strategy attached to it. Like even if we're trying to do something like make, make dinner, you know, you have a, 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 theoretically you have a strategy attached to that. The plan is to make dinner. The strategy attached to that is like, well, I got to plan the meal. I got to make sure that I get all the things that I need to make the meal. I need to set aside the time to actually make the meal. And then once you do all that, you serve the meal, you clean up from the meal, all that is is strategy and planning. So that's what a strategic plan is. Um, and in organizations and in corporations, um, it tends to be more formalized than what we do when we just make dinner. So we're going to do this in two parts because strategic planning is a lot. And so today we're just doing part one. This is strategic planning 101 part one. So a plan is something that you create to help your organization figure out what it's doing for the future. That's it. It's just the plan for the future. Some traditional management consultants make plans that are very detailed and have a lot of information in them. These plans are often made by consultants in isolation. The data collection is done with as much like, quote, objectivity as possible, making the consultants value in their sort of sterile, distanced approach, which is fine if we're measuring things that are objective and consistent, like machines and computers, because the approach that often goes into this assumes things are constant or replicable as is. Therefore, the plan can be more detailed and use givens that build on the current data. Givens is that, that's a geometry term I'm throwing in there. Do you remember, if you took geometry, you might remember when you had, when you had to prove a theorem, there was like, these are the givens, the things that we're starting with. So that's what I'm talking about when I say we use the givens from uh, the build on current data. Most of these plans are, are, if you've seen them, they're often very thick in binders, they have a lot of information. There might be a binder per year. And there's they're kind of followed like a recipe a little bit more, or they're supposed to be followed like a recipe. And again, it, it it often assumes that things are going to be consistent and stay the same, and you can stay the course on the plan. But in strategic plans with people, things change all the time. So if we're not using machines and computers, if we're using people, things will shift all the time. The people in the company can change from turnover, or we hope they change from learning and growing 
People can become more skilled. They can change positions. They can find new priorities. And if you're operating as if a company is a static structure, you can't take any of this into account in your plan because everything has to go according to plan. But people are famously fickle and changeable. And while a lot is predictable in human behavior, some of it isn't. And it's probably some of you are like, what do you mean a lot is predictable in human behavior? You know, I know that sounds kind of wild. But one day we will talk about Hizzle very soon, hearing, seeing, and loving people. And we will talk about kind of how things become predictable when someone doesn't feel heard, seen, and loved. And some of it isn't, which is why we try and make strategic plans, assuming that we can't predict the future, that things are going to change. And also the world outside of people isn't predictable. Or I should say people make the world unpredictable, less predictable. Like pandemics, you know, wars, elections, climate change, all of this affect the people within a company and aren't able to be put into a plan in any great detail. I joke about old school plans and binders that collect dust. I'm like, oh, everyone's had the experience of having a the dusty binder. But they really are a fixture in a lot of larger companies and even smaller companies, but they're a fixture. Even after companies have had several iterations and haven't used their dusty binders after several rounds, this still is a way that persists. This idea of we need to have really detailed planning that tries to think of every step along the way. So my plans tend to be a little more dynamic. We want a loose framework of priorities. So as things shift over time, we can make some adaptations in response. A strategic plan should be a living document that can be modified and edited as needed. I tell clients, I want your strategic plan when I come back to help you craft the next one. I want your plan, if it's printed out, to be covered in coffee stains, to be curling up at the edges, to have lots of pencil marks and erasures and all of this stuff all over it because I want it to be something that gets referenced and used every single day. I want it to be falling apart by the time I come back. My clients were able to adapt plans to meet the goals they set out when the pandemic hit because they knew what the spirit of the plan was and how to keep the organization on track, even with new parameters. So that's one of the benefits of making a plan that's more dynamic in this way, that's more loose, is just we know what the goals are. We know often what the first step is that we want to get there. And then the rest can be figured out along the way. And it can shift if things shift, if those givens shift, we can account for them. So let's talk about length of time. So how long should a strategic plan be? I think that you should do a shorter plan for smaller or more quickly adapting organizations and longer for organizations that need research and development, some funding lead up, or if they're generally like a bigger ship to steer. So my company, right, we've talked about this before, is just me and Bethany and our two cats, um, Ollie and Flexo. Um, So our length of time is a year. That's how we're doing it because we're adapting and we're learning a lot very quickly. And so we want to make some shifts. In fact, we just had a couple weeks ago, our sort of mid-year strategic plan, like formal check-in. And we're like, oh, this is what we've learned so far. This is what we have to adapt to in the future. So we made some of those plans accordingly. And now the plan moving forward is going to be different than the plan that we had started with. But the goals are still the same. And that's because we take the mission into account. I'll get to mission just a moment. For larger organizations, even organizations that have like, larger doesn't even have to be like objectively large, just be large like 10 people, 15 people, even seven people might be considered larger. But if you need things that require a little bit more research and development, or if you have to plan for funding, then having multi-year plans can be really beneficial. Because then you can think about, okay, 
if at the end of this, we want to have achieved this really big thing, what are the things that we have to do in the lead up to that? And if we need time to figure that out, then we need to build in the time to do that. So most of the organizations that I work with, they come up with three-year strategic plans. This is particularly beneficial for organizations that are trying to figure out funding over a few years. So if you get grants that are good for a few years, or if you get um, a major gift that gets doled out over a couple of years, those are different funding sources and the way how they get times that we have to take into account when making a strategic plan. Now, when I mentioned the Wilhelm Consulting strategic plan, I said part of why things could shift is because we had the mission in mind. So, So we're ready to do a strategic plan. We know we want to do one of these more dynamic, shorter, loose framework kind of plans. We know we have a length of time that's appropriate for our organization. Where do we start? Well, we start with our mission. As discussed in the goals episode, this should be the thing that when you have achieved it, your organization no longer needs to exist. And it could be something that takes a long time to achieve, or we never get there because it's just such a big goal. We do need to have a share agreement about what it looks like when we have achieved that goal. It doesn't necessarily have to be a thing that we're going to see in our lifetime, in the next lifetime, something that can be pretty big. There are a number of organizations right now that are trying to eradicate certain systems of oppression, and that's not something we're going to see fully for a few generations, fingers crossed. So it's okay if that's what their, their goals are because it's not necessarily about being able to achieve it quickly or in a shorter amount of time. It can be something that takes a long time to get to. But I make people define a lot of words in their mission when we first get started. So we'll just take the mission of Wilhelm Consulting, which is Workplaces for Health and Healing. Some folks would argue that doesn't even count as a mission. Like you need more specifics about the verb at the beginning, like create or support or foster. And you can totally do that. Larger organizations definitely need that so everyone can know what is the action they are taking. Like create is different from support, is different from foster. So this gets to my point that even in my five word mission statement, three of the words need to be defined. Workplaces, health, healing. So every word that could have a different esoteric meaning needs to be defined. And for me, I know what workplaces means. I know what health means. I know what healing means. And I have talked through them with Bethany and anyone else who's supporting me in my work. I'm like, this is what health looks like. This is what healing looks like. And this is what I define as a workplace. Every word that could have a different meaning doesn't necessarily have to be defined or disseminated across the entire organization, but the folks in executive leadership need to be in alignment around what all those words mean. So as they lead the efforts through strategic planning and executing the strategic plan, they all know what it means. Ideally, everyone in the organization can be like, I can tell you what all these words mean, and I can explain what that looks like. But even if we don't have a way to get to that, even if we don't have a way to disseminate information that widely, having the folks at the top, the ones who are most responsible for executing the strategic plan, that they're the ones who actually need to know what's going on. They're the ones who are most responsible for achieving the goals. So they are the ones who actually need to know what each of these words defined means. Oh yeah. So who should be doing strategic planning? Everyone in the organization should be part of strategic planning. Yep. Everyone. People in executive leadership are often disconnected from the work of those on the front lines, and people on the front lines might not have as much information about long-term planning. 
So not everyone needs to be in every session, but at least at the beginning of the process, a simple bit of data collection needs to happen. That way you can capture general information about people's experience within your organization and what their dreams are from their perspective. I also like to do a big retreat day with as many people as I can get. I've done them with anywhere from three to a couple hundred people, and there are formats for conversation that can be scaled up and down pretty easily. A key tenant I use for strategic planning, which is something that is heralded by organizational development in general, is that the people who will be enacting the plan should be part of making it. We don't want any plans from on high that are carried out by others who are disconnected from those who made it. So we don't want a bunch of executives to go in a room or even one person to go in a room, a CEO to go in a room, come up with a plan, send it out to everyone and be like, all right, guys, figure it out. Because the reality is that plan does not take into experience, uh, take into account all the experiences that happen at all the different levels of the organization and what people might be experiencing when they work with actual clients and customers to being the support folks for clients and customers. We need to take as many people into account. And that's why data collection at the beginning is so important. I think that most of the work happens in that beginning data collection phase. Some organizations will assemble what's called a slice team. So if you don't want to take your entire organization and put them through strategic planning, although you should the data collection part, that's not actually that difficult. So we should do that. A slice team should represent folks from every level of the organization, every department of the organization, and they all can come up together, come up with together the strategic plan. This gets really complicated because sometimes that means that there are folks who are represented from certain departments that aren't necessarily the most executive leaders. But that really is helpful because we want to know what folks in the middle and what folks who are on the front lines are experiencing within the organization. So if we can only choose a small group of people, if the organization is large enough, I think that you should choose folks from all levels of the organization. The idea that the folks who will be enacting the change, who will be the targets of the change, coming up with the plan for change, that's a principle of action research, which is a model of implementing change that says the targets of the change, that people who will be impacted by it need to be part of planning the change. I think of action research being the most effective when it comes to grassroots sort of movements. We want to get feedback from the folks who will actually be impacted so that we know that whatever we come up with, they actually want and can actually be carried out by them. So that's why we use this principle in organizational development more broadly is because we want to make sure that we're doing things that actually work for the folks who will be doing it. If we do, if we come up with plans devoid of the people who will be enacting it or who will be impacted by it, we're treating people like a monolith. And then we're treating people like they're robots or again, like computers, like machines. And that's not just how people respond to things. It's just not. I'm sure there are folks who have had the experience. I'm sure you might've had the experience of working in an organization or, and it doesn't even have to be a f- formal workplace where you're collecting a paycheck, but somewhere where you're carrying something out based on an idea that you didn't have any input on and the people who had the input, the people who made the plan, who came up with the idea, didn't actually know how business got done day to day. And that's really frustrating and it feels fruitless and it feels very disempowering, takes away agency. It's really important that when we're doing planning of any kind that we take into account the opinions and thoughts and perspectives of the people who will actually be doing the planning, who will actually be doing the implementing of the plan. 
Since strategic planning is all about things changing and growing and getting better, then inevitably everyone in the org is judged and therefore should be part of the efforts of making the plan. Okay, so to review for our part one, we don't want any detailed and super thick plans that are traditionally created where we think that things are going to happen step by step and sequen- sequentially. That's not just not how humans operate. That might be how uh, machines and computers operate, but even most machines and computers are operated by humans. And there are things that are happening externally that influence what is happening internally in an organization. Make sure that you are working on a plan that is more dynamic. So we have, we'll have a clear idea about what our goals are attached to our mission. We want a plan that can be a living document. So it can be changed and adapted depending upon what the circumstances are around the organization. We want the length of time to reflect the organization's need for planning and for agility. So if you're a small organization, you can probably do a shorter length of time. If you're a larger organization, you probably need more time in your strategic plan to account for things that require more funding, more R&D, more planning. And when it comes to your mission, we start with the mission when it comes to the organization. We need to define every word in the mission that could have multiple meetings. So at least the folks who are the ones creating the plan have an idea about what those words look like when the plan, when the mission has been achieved. And everyone should be part of strategic planning, at least early on. Everyone in the organization should be able to give some input that then can be used to generate the rest of the process, but everyone should be part of it. So yeah, strategic planning 101. Strategic plans are really important. And I highly recommend hiring someone outside to do them, not just because I'm one of those people who does them from the outside, but because I've just found that processes go smoother when you have someone whose sole focus is facilitating the strategic plan, as opposed to running other day-to-day operations of an organization when their only job has to be the strategic plan. They can be the ones to send the emails and get things scheduled and figure things out. So but if you have to do it internally, those are some of the tenants that I think you should abide by in order to make sure that you can come up with a good strategic plan. Next week, we'll do part two, where we'll talk a little bit about what your vision is and how to actually create a strategic plan. So I can't wait to talk to you then. So glad you could join me today. Share this episode with someone who you think needs to hear it. Follow me on Instagram at Veronica and sign up for my newsletter at wilhelmconsulting.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to this here podcast. I look forward to being with you again soon.